Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Most of you remember these folks from last night. I think everybody here at Beacon knows Brother Terrell Rose, a missionary to Brazil. He's our guest preacher for the week, and we thank God for Brother Rose and him and his family saying yes to go to Brazil, and we appreciate them. Uh, this is Brother Stacy Piercy. He was here with us last night. He's no stranger around here by now, uh, serving as a full-time evangelist and then also as a missionary superhero with uh, hands across the nation, uh, ministry, helping churches. He is uh, Brother Scott Norman. Or as he introduced himself and his superhero name to the kids just a few minutes ago, this is Norman. And uh, you've heard of Superman and Batman. This is Norman. And uh, him and his wife, they work with uh, missionaries, missionary relief, uh, helping missionaries be able to come back home on furlough. And just here in a little while, uh, in uh, just just a little while, a few weeks, really, uh, they're going to be headed out all the way across the world uh, to the uh, island of Tinian. And uh, they're going to be helping a church there. This uh, beautiful family here is Brother Jonathan Williams and his family, and uh, they are new to you tonight, and they are out of my home church, Resurrection Baptist Church, and they are missionaries to uh, Panama and doing a great work for God there, and I appreciate Brother Jonathan. He is a missionary's kid, been in missions his whole life, and so he all he's ever done his whole life is just say yes to the Lord uh, to serve him wherever God would call him to go, and we appreciate the Williams family being with us here tonight. And then this is Brother Tim Lord and Miss Cassie and their family, and and uh, we have, y'all Y'all remember uh, Brother Aaron Wilson and his family. You remember Brother Ben Manley and his family. Uh, God has let us support them. And uh, this is Brother Tim and Miss Cassie Lord and their children. Uh, they are going, they are missionaries currently and pastoring a church in the country of Albania. And uh, so they're serving there and doing a great work for God at Tabernacle Baptist Church. And we appreciate them and all that they're doing for the Lord. So let's give one more hand for our missionary superheroes tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Tony Wood, would you be willing to sing for us tonight? Would that be all right? And you come at this time and uh, sing for us. You worship with Brother Wood as he sings. I appreciate this man of God. Amen. And uh, you worship with him as he sings tonight. Amen.
field to help a church and so I'd like for him to come and take uh, some, take about 10 minutes or so and give us an update about what the Lord uh, has you doing in your ministry and where you are and uh, anything that we can pray for you about specifically preacher it's a joy to have you God bless you I'm glad when preachers say 10 minutes or so I'm gonna go on the end of so uh, and I'll do my I'll do my very best tonight I don't want to forget before I begin to thank uh, Beacon Baptist Church. Uh, my chin is still sore. It, it's been sore for two, two years, almost three years now. The very first missions conference you had, yes, we were here, and I will never forget when your pastor got up near the end of the conference and the revival services said, we're going to take all these missionaries on that are here tonight. My jaw dropped, and it's, it's been dropping ever since. You've increased our support. You've been faithfully supporting us. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of a mission-minded church. Amen. Missions is the heartbeat of the local church. Amen. And I believe with all my heart that God does not look well on a church that is not involved in missions or does not take missions seriously. Now, I know that comes from a missionary's heart. But I felt that way long before I was ever a missionary when I was pastoring. I knew that mission is what was going to keep the church going. I think it is. I think it's Brother Seitler. I hear it all the time. I hear it from different people. That whenever the, whenever Tabernacle was having problems, financially especially, men would come to him and say, Brother Seitler, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to take on another missionary right now. And, and everything turned around. And he did, didn't he? Absolutely. And we just thank the Lord for all that you've done for us. And then I want to bring it right to the present. Thank you so much for your kindness and your generosity for everything that you've done for us while we're here. I'm sorry that I'm by myself this year. Uh, my wife is getting ready for a family reunion that our kids are putting on for us. You were talking about when you're 20s, your parents take care of you, and then when you're in your 50s. Well, now it's kind of worrying in between. Our kids are giving us a send-off uh, for our trip to Tinian, and we have eight children. We have 19 grandchildren. And I think about all but the two of the grandchildren, all but one of the children are going to be there. So I said, I want you to come with me. She said, you know women. I'm sorry, women. It's true. When you're planning something like that, that's just awesome, and, and it's, it's overbearing. So that's where she is tonight. But thank you for all that you have done. The hotel accommodations, the gift basket, the lunch, the meal last night, the fellowship that we've had. I'm, I'm just thrilled. I'm overwhelmed with, with thanksgiving and gratitude for your kindness and for your generation. I, I'm not going to preach tonight, but I want you to take your Bibles out and turn with me to Psalm 109. I cannot bring you an update before I read this verse. When you get to Psalm 109, it's a very difficult psalm as far as its language. I mean, I don't mean you can't understand the language. You can understand the language, but it's hard. 
It's about David's enemies. It's about David's adversaries. He has some pretty tough, I'll even say this, he has some pretty ugly things to say about his enemies. And, and you read this whole thing about the enemies and the adversaries, and you come to the end of chapter uh, 109 of the book of Psalms, and I want to read these verses to you, uh, starting in verse 26. Help me, O Lord my God, O save me according to thy mercy. Now notice verse 27 that they may know that this is thy hand and that thou, Lord, hast done it. That verse, uh, that verse grabbed my attention from a sermon that my uh, sending church, my pastor, preached a couple of weeks ago. And I want to read it again. Let, excuse me, let, let them that they may know, excuse me, that they may know that this is thy hand, that thou, Lord, hast done it. And that is my testimony tonight as I just try to bring you up to date. Whatever I say, I'm not bragging and I'm not taking any credit. I want you to know that he has done it. Uh, since you all, since we were all together last time, and I kind of feel like this is a homecoming, uh, God has greatly blessed us. Our support has continued to increase. Uh, we've had a lot of meetings, and in, in, in between all those meetings, though, we have put our ministry into practice. Uh, we've had several churches call us over the past three years. Churches without pastors who have asked us to come and fill in the pulpit and help them to try to find a pastor. We've done that with four different churches. And I'm thankful to say tonight that uh, three of them have chosen pastors and they're doing very, very well. I have to say though, the fourth church, I had to step aside. I hope I don't offend anybody tonight, but I want you to know that I am an independent, fundamental Baptist church, and I happen to believe in the King James Bible with all my heart. And uh, I had to walk away because the church started going down the wrong road, changing versions of the Bible. I shouldn't even say changing versions. I don't even like that. They started using a perversion, and uh, uh, they started going contemporary, and I had to walk away from the church, and it's very, very sad. But God's helped us. Uh, to be able to help churches without pastors. I've been able to fill the pulpit uh, for pastors that have been on vacation or have been sick. We've got a couple of pastors that have some real serious problems. I'm going to be in a church in North Georgia in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's actually a deputation meeting. It's our last deputation meeting before we leave for the field. But he took a, he just fell one day and seriously damaged his spinal cord. I was supposed to be there for one service. He's asked me to be there for all the services on Sunday just because uh, the need is there. And so we've been able to do that, and the Lord is greatly blessed. Sometimes we've been on the deputation trail. Sometimes we've been several weeks at one church helping. But our main thrust of our ministry, as you know, and as we've said in the past, is to relieve missionaries who come home on furlough. And they do need to come home on furlough. I know I have a missionary's heart. I, I can stay there as long as you want me to. I, I can stay on the field forever. But we have family. Uh, we have supporting churches that we need to report to. And there's a host of other reasons that we need to come home and just take some time to rejuvenate, to get our batteries recharged. And our, our ministry is to help those missionaries when they call and say, we're coming home on furlough, will you be able to relieve us? And we're glad to be able to say yes. And we have said yes to a family on the island of Tinian. It's in the Pacific Ocean above, it's uh, due north of Australia, due south of Japan, due east of the Philippines. It's about 120 miles north of Guam. 
Uh, we know Tinian and we know it well. Uh, we served, as you know, 20 years on the island of Saipan and we ministered to the island folk there, to Koreans, uh, well, just the Asian people, Korean, Chinese, um, Filipino, uh, and so forth, Japanese. And we ministered to them for 20 years and had a wonderful time. And that's, that's home. And we get to go back home. And so we're going to go to another island in that group of islands called Tinian. Tinian is very rich, both Tinian and Saipan, very rich in history. Uh, how many know the story, or at least you know the history, at the end of, the, at the end of World War II, the atomic bomb? Yes. Everybody knows that? The atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. What most people don't know is that the atomic bombs, both of them, were built and assembled on the island of Tinian. Uh, they brought all the parts of the bomb over on the USS Indianapolis. They, un they assembled the bomb in a laboratory underground. When it was assembled, they lifted it up into the Enola Gay, and the rest is history. Well, that's Tinian. That's where we're going. The bomb pits are still there. Uh, they're all encased with plastic glass, but you can at least look down and see a part of history that that is where the atomic age began in these two little holes on this runway on the north end of the island of Tinian. But that's where we're going. We're going to be relieving Elizabeth and Roger Workman. Uh, we know them well, we know the culture well, and we're looking forward uh, to being there. Be there about a year, and Lord willing, we're praying about this. We're probably, once our time there is over, we'd like to go to Guam for a couple of weeks. There's a church there without a pastor. Uh, they took us on for support just about three months ago. We didn't even, we helped them six and seven years ago. But all of a sudden we got a note from them that they had took us, taken, on, taken us on for support. We're so thankful for that. And we want to be with them for a couple of weeks. And then we've got a couple that left our church in Saipan many years ago, went back to the Philippines and started a little church in the, there, Filipino. We really have a desire to go and be with them and help them for two or three weeks. And so just pray for us as we go and that the Lord will bless. We've got, you've asked, you've asked me to share needs. Um, just pray for us as we travel, and, and the need that we have is, is financial. God's taking care of our financial needs. I hate even talking about it. I don't like to. God takes care of us. He's blessed us immensely. We talked about this at lunch today, and yet that's my need right now. We have got a flight schedule that you wouldn't believe. Uh, we leave here. Uh, well, we leave Raleigh-Durham Airport. We fly to Atlanta. Then from Atlanta to Korea, nonstop. That's about a 16-hour flight in the air, nonstop. But when we get to Korea, we have to overnight in Korea, which is fine, except I can't get into Korea because of COVID, so I have to stay at the airport for nearly 20 hours. So pray for that, uh, just that we'll be able to take care of all that. Then we fly from Korea to Guam, and we have to overnight in Guam. Uh, but that's a blessing because that's on a Wednesday and we get to go to church on Wednesday night at that church I was just telling you about. And then finally to Saipan and we're going to be, I don't mean we're stuck in Saipan, but when we first scheduled our flight, we scheduled it around quarantine, all the mandated quarantines. And we were supposed to quarantine in Saipan for five days. They've lifted all that. So I have this five day window that I have to be in Saipan. And so we, where the government was going to be taking care of our lodging and they were taking care of our food and transportation. Now we got to take care of it. We're not we're not worried about it. And God's going to meet our needs. But that's what the needs are. So we'll be in Saipan for five days to be able to visit our old church, our old mission, uh, get to meet new people. They say the church has tripled in size. And I'm thrilled about that. So 
So that's what we're doing. Uh, I hope that uh, this brings you up to date the best I can. Oh, I do want to say this. People always ask. This morning before I woke up, we were at about 85, 86% of our support. I got a call from a pastor today. I don't think his church has more than 20 people in it. And this is, I, I, I kept myself from saying this at lunch today. He said, we've taken you on for support as of two days ago, and our support is now up to 90%. Amen. So praise God for that. I've told people this, and I'll close with this. We are at 90% support and 10% faith. Amen. So pray that our support will continue to increase and our faith decrease. That sounds horrible. You know what I mean. <laughs> Thank you, preacher. <laughs> Amen. Brother Tim, you come and you tell us about what God has uh, uh, put in your heart to do there in Albania, what you're doing, what God's leading you to do, and uh, just anything you want to tell us about your family and about your ministry, and we'll hear you gladly. Love you, preacher. God bless you. Appreciate it. Amen. Ain't the Lord good? Amen. And uh, we are the Lord family. I'm Tim, my wife Cassie. Our oldest is 12. She's Kenley. Our youngest, 10, is Paisley. And uh, the Lord called us to Albania. And I was able to go on my first missions trip ever uh, to Albania in 2011. I was sitting down at the dinner table with my pastor, and uh, Brother Dean McNeese had gotten a hold of him and uh, told him to plan for Albania. He said, bring some preacher boys with you. My pastor sat at the table after thanking and praying for some time and asked me to go with him. And I looked at my pastor, and I said, Brother Mike Norman, I said, I have, I said I've never been past Chattanooga, Tennessee. And you want me to get on an airplane and fly to the other side of the world. And I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I, I may be big, but I'm scared of a lot of things, and airplanes is one of them. And uh, I got to thinking, is there a way to get there by bridge? Is there a way to get there by car, some way or another? And uh, I was scared to death, but God brought the money in. I didn't have the money, and God did it. And so we purchased our tickets, went over to Albania in the month of October 2011, and uh, spent 10 days there in Albania. And the things that I saw, I, I, my first missions trip ever, and I, I began to think, all right, Lord, I want you to show me some things. And he showed me on that trip how to pray for Albania and how to pray for missionaries. Amen. And I come back to America with a burden to pray somebody would go. Brother Aaron Wilson was on that trip with us, his first trip as well. And I uh, just started praying uh, time and time again. I said, Lord, somebody's got to go to Albania. I was serving in our church. I was the song leader. I was the choir director. And I was fine working a job serving in our church. And uh, I got a phone call maybe a year down the road. And Brother Aaron Wilson had called me and said, I just wanted you to know that I surrendered to go to Albania. And I said, well, there we go. I, I've went. I know how to pray. And I prayed. And God has now sent somebody. Amen. And I kept praying that uh, God would just use Brother Aaron there in that country. And uh, shortly, maybe a year down the road, God began to burden my heart again for Albania. And I said, Lord, there's already somebody there. Uh, they, I, I, don't know, I don't know how this thing works. I've, I've not done it. I don't know. How, do you send two people to the same country? I don't know. And uh, the Lord just kept dealing with my heart about Albania. Amen. And I can remember sitting there saying to God, I said, Lord, there's all, all kind of things that need to be done. And um, talked to my wife, talked to my preacher, surrendered in November of 2014 to go to Albania. Started full-time deputation 5th, uh, February 2015. 
And uh, by September of 2016, God had us on the field fully supported Amen. and had every dime that we needed, everything that we needed to raise to get there, everything that we needed to uh, raise to live there, God had given it to us. And since we've been there, God has allowed us to do several things. He's allowed us to start a church named after our home church, Tabernacle Baptist Church. And uh, God put us about 30 minutes south of Brother Aaron Wilson in a little village called Samil. And he's allowed us to start that church there. And uh, we've seen God do such wonderful things. And we've seen God fill the building. We've seen souls saved. And, and uh, it was such a thrill to me to be able to tell somebody else about Jesus. Yeah. And I remember the day when somebody told me, who Jesus was Amen. and what it did in my heart and how I felt. And so for me to be able to go and tell somebody else the same thing, and man, what a joy it was in my heart to be able to do that, to go and tell somebody else Amen. about Jesus, to be able to give my testimony, be able to preach God's word to them and see souls Amen. saved. Since we've been there, my youngest just a few months ago came to us and She's had questions for a long time and sitting in our living room, got saved. Now, I get to thinking, if we'd have never surrendered to go, if we'd have never given our life to God, I don't know if my little girl would have ever uh, been in the position that she was at that time for God to be able to speak to her. And so we thank God for all that he's done, starting a church and um, we've been able to work with the gypsies. We've been able to go into the gypsy camps and uh, we have been able to preach to them and sing to them and our way to get in there was, uh, there, of course, anybody knows anything about the Romans or the gypsies, they, uh, they're beggars and so our way to get in there was to bring them food. We'd take them some sandwiches or we'd take them fruit and vegetables and through doing that was able to give them the gospel and preach to them and sing to them. Uh, we've been able to assist Brother Aaron Wilson in the orphanage ministry those years that he's been able to do that. And so we're just so thankful that God uh, would use the weak things to go out and tell somebody else. And uh, I, I don't brag on myself. There's nothing in me that is good. I'm flesh just like you are. Uh, but for God to be able to put something in me that he could use, God put something in me that he would want to use, I count it such a great honor uh, that God would allow us to go over there. Been over there now for six years and coming back, this is our first uh, furlough, going to be here until February the 16th. We got a return ticket and this is what we're praying for at the moment, that God would guide us and that God would lead us to the next place that he wants us to go and uh, start a new work, to start a, uh, a new church, wherever it may be. And uh, just asking God to give us that wisdom, asking God to give us that discernment. And we just, our, our, our goal is to tell as many people as possible to take the word that God has given us and to open it and show them just what we've been able to show the Albanian people, just what we've been, just what God has shown me through my life and to be able to give it to somebody else. I count it such a great honor. I say thank you church, thank you pastor for letting us be here and uh, thank you for all that you've done already. Uh, the preachers already said it one time but the hotel and the, uh, man my goodness what some superheroes we stand in the midst of tonight and I don't I I don't know many of these in here. I don't. I don't think I know but two people in this room besides my family. And uh, but I count it a great honor to be in the same building tonight with such great men of God that have given their life to go and serve God. No matter where it is, I thank God for you and praying for you. Thank you, preacher.
hear more about missions here in just a few minutes, but the Lord's been working on some hearts, and we want to give Him the opportunity to do that. last thing I'd want to do is get in the way of something the Lord's doing. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, and I, I preach it so much, I mention it so much in preaching. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4. In verse number one, the Bible has t- the Bible talks about where we were before we were saved. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The Bible talks about all of those things. We were by nature the children of wrath. But then in verse number four, the Bible says, but God rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins and quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved think about verse 6 the Bible says it hath raised us up together and made us now you think about who we are Think about what we deserve. He's made us, the Bible says, to sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. say tonight, God's been abundantly kind to this old sinner. Help yourself, preacher. I can't tell you how how good God's been in my life. This church, this church knows my testimony. Came from a little town, Calpin, South Carolina. Most people don't have a clue that little town exists on the map. I'm just a nobody that came from nowhere. My parents weren't important people. My parents didn't even know the Lord for most of my life. Brother Terrell, my parents made professions of faith, but to be honest with you, by the way I saw their lives, Brother Stacy, if they're not in heaven, I wouldn't be surprised. If they are, I'd praise God, but if they're not, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't have a Jimmy Rose as a daddy. I didn't have a Nancy Rose as a mama good people in terms of they weren't weren't murderers they weren't thieves or anything like that but no interest in the things of God I remember when I got saved I was the only saved person in my house for the majority of my life I'm still as far as I know the only one in my family that has ever really surrendered to the Lord their, their lives nobody in my family I'm the first generation preacher you know I was there's just it was Josh just did weird things in the house he lived different than everybody else 
but the first time I ever heard the name of Jesus truly and heard about the gospel, I was eight years old. And I went in, I went into a church that doesn't preach like this one, doesn't have church like this one, a church that I couldn't even in good conscience be a, be a member of. That's the first time I ever heard the name Jesus. It, I had to get out of that church before I could ever truly accept the gospel because the, the gospel was there, but it wasn't being preached. That preacher, it seemed like he'd get, do whatever it could to get out of preaching a lot of times. I look at my life. I didn't have a mom and dad that read the Bible to me. I didn't have anybody that did fat family devotions. My wife, she has good parents, but they both would admit that they weren't really the parents probably they should have been. To think that God would put me here. Brother Norman, God called me, saved me, and called me to preach at eight years old. The way God called me to preach was, it wasn't, I wasn't in a meeting and I just knew God was calling me to preach. I didn't even know what it was. God spoke to my heart, let me see a preacher. And the way God spoke to my little eight-year-old heart was, that what I, that's what I want you to do for the rest of your life. My family called it playing church. When I'd get in my, in my bedroom, I'd set my stuffed animals up and I'd open up my Bible and preach to them get a little cassette tape and put it in the karaoke machine they got me and press play and I didn't know nothing about the Bible I didn't know nothing about preaching I'd never even heard preaching but somehow I had a King James Bible and I was preaching out of it to those stuffed animals somehow I was giving it every I didn't know nothing about preaching but I was giving it everything I got I was 16 years old and I preached my first revival. 18 years old, preached the first long revival meeting. 14 years old, first time I ever let, had somebody ever let me in a church and took a chance on me preaching to their people. Brother Jonathan, but I took my first church at 23. Took this church at 24. 29 years old. I've been pastor here almost five years. Nobody from nowhere but God. Without God, I didn't have any hope. I had to grow up the same way everybody else in my family grew up, being good people, but not knowing anything about the Lord, really. God brought great men of God in my life. 16 years old, God let me walk into an elementary school gymnasium where a man by the name of Joey Wampler had just started a church. And God let me get under his ministry. And then I learned from him about other great men of God and got to sit under them. Just all of what God's done in my life, I can't help but think about verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy for his great kindness wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins have quickened us together with Christ and then in verse number 7 I love it 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. I may just be a nobody from nowhere. I may be somebody that nobody would have ever expected much of. And to be honest with you, I know there's probably a lot of people that look at what I'm doing right now and say, oh, it's not much. Just a small church in a small little area. You know, just just doing a little, just doing a little work. I'm telling you, anything we do for God's a big thing. Amen. And I'm, I'm telling you, I am thankful that God in heaven looked down into a little bitty town that nobody even knows where it is on the map. This all little eight-year-old boy had said, I know if I save him and I call him, he'll say yes to me. There's a group of people. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night are going to hear him speak. I think about my life, Brother Tony, and think about if I, when God led me, God knew, I, I, I believe it's true, God knew if I'd preach to stuffed animals, I'd preach to anybody else he told me to. I remember, I'm telling you, I vividly remember the first time I preached to people with a pulse. I really do. Amen. In my ministry, I've preached from kitchen counters. I pre- I, y'all won't believe this, but I've preached off of a kitchen stove in somebody's house. My wife, she's got a picture of it. Preached off a stove. Taught the kids tonight and already spoke to them about the Lord. Just, it's amazing what God will do if we'll just say yes to Him. But God... I know that's just my story. I know that throughout this room, we've got story after story after story of what God has done. I thank God for being a God that is not afraid to butt in into our lives. Amen. Can you think about where you would be if God hadn't butted in? You think about where you could be this evening if it wasn't for a God that loved you enough. When you were dead in trespasses and sins, but God. And you may be like me and just be a nobody from nowhere. Nobody would ever expect much of. May never, ever expect much of. Verse 10 says, God saves us. Not for really the magnitude of what we do now. What he can, you know, what, what can be done now. But that in the ages to come. I may not have a very big, bright, illustrious past. But I'm telling you this tonight. Thank God I've got a great big future ahead of me. Amen. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. You know when God butts into your life, you know who gets the credit out of it. I, 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 told, I tell my testimony just about every everywhere I go preaching. I tell my testimony. That doesn't give glory to Josh Lawson. That, that, that doesn't do anything to me. But it tells about a God who was kind enough to show up to where I was, save my never dying soul, put a calling that I'm telling you tonight is, is more... To put, a, to put a calling upon me that to be the president of the United States or the king of a nation, I'd have to take a step down to do that. So God, that God would touch a life and use. I can't get the glory out of that. I could never have done it on my own. But I'm telling you tonight, God is the one that gets the glory. That, that he shows for, really when God uses me and uses you, you know what he's doing? He's just bragging on himself. What he can do with us. We're just nobodies nowhere. Without him we We'd be headed to an eternity full of that eternity full of nothing of worth or worth hell and wrath and the lake of fire. But thank God because.
because of Jesus Christ budding in, we have a glorious future. Amen. And that's what that's what the gospel does. That's what missions is all about. Is God budding in, showing how kind He is, and giving a lost and dying world a opportunity to have the most glorious future. Amen. I bless the name of the Lord. Amen. Anybody tonight have a word of testimony before the preacher comes? It's good to be saved, isn't it? Yes, sir, Brother Jeremy. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you're glad to see Brother Jeremy tonight, say amen. Last night he had a headache and had some things going on that was crippling him. And, and I told Brother Jeremy, talking to him today, I said, with everything y'all have got, those of you not part of our church, you may not know, but with everything they're going through, stress and high blood pressure and, and headaches and all of that, it just it seems to be normal at this point, amen, with what they're having to deal with. But it's good to see him in the house of God tonight. And uh, for those of you that do not know, he has a grandson in the hospital uh, that uh, at least I know of four times. Times uh, had an injury and had a and ton, making a long story short, blood loss, and uh, just just a couple of months old, and has already already been at the edge of death four to five different times. And uh, God's been good. I got a Kyle from, uh, I got a call from Kyle today. He said, "Preacher, he's doing good. He's doing good." Said that he started trying to trying to crawl up in the bed today. Amen. And uh, so he's doing good. God's grace is sufficient. That's just another case where we can say, and I think that's going to be the story of Silas's life. I really do. Look what God's done. Amen. Look what God did. Amen. And uh, I thank God for all the medical personnel, but I'm telling you, it's been God every step of the way. Amen. Anybody else tonight? All right. Grab your Bibles. Preacher, you come. Give us what the Lord's put on your heart. You grab your Bibles. Get ready to hear some preaching. Preacher, it's good to have you back at Beacon. Amen. How many are glad to be here? Say amen. Man, it's good to be in God's house tonight. Ain't God good? You, you say, Brother Terry, do you mind taking up time of your preaching? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I don't mind at all. I tell you, it's just good to see God move. God move. And uh, what a what a blessing. Brother Lord, thank you for your testimony. And uh, what a blessing. What a blessing. I tell you, I see um, those two girls, these three kids here. It's an honor to be a missionary kid. And I, I thank God I was born in a missionary home uh, of a man that loved missions more than anything in his life. In his life. You say, Brother Terrell, did y'all did y'all practice missions in Brazil? My dad always told me, he said, son. If if we as missionaries go to a different country or Brazil, whatever, and we 
We go into American churches and ask churches to give so we can go to the mission field. And we go to the mission field and we don't teach our people to give. We're hypocrites. A missionary that does not give to missions should not be supported. (laughs) Are you listening to me? I'm I'm just being honest. And uh, I praise the Lord that my dad taught me that. Our church, when we left our church, pastoring, we were supporting 100 missionaries uh, there in the country of Brazil. And that's that's what missions is all about. This morning, the preacher said this. David was not able to build the temple. He was not even able to walk in the temple. He didn't even go in the temple. But he prepared. He prepared for the temple. And I, boy, I tell you, (laughs) everywhere you went in that temple, David didn't go there, preacher. But his handprints were all over that temple. You see, you might not be able to go to Romania. (laughs) But because you give it, your handprints is all over that church there in Romania. Your handprints, Dr. Caldwell, this church's handprints is all over the churches in Brazil. Might not be able to go there. You might not be able to walk in our churches. But your handprints are there. You know why? Because you gave. God said no to David, but he prepared. And God, boy, his handprints were all over. Well, that's not what I'm going to preach about. Uh, Open your Bibles in Proverbs chapter 11. And I'm going to read, I'm going to preach. Uh, tonight, more of a, a topical message. And I, I, I prayed, Lord, what, what should I preach? And I wanted the two first days for us to see the necessity of the world. Amen. Putting the right thing in the right place. And tonight I want to preach on this subject. It is time to reach the world. Tomorrow, Lord willing, and then Sunday, uh, I'm going to teach and preach on, on, uh, on faith promise. Uh, Sunday morning, uh, as I usually do teach on faith promise, and then the service, I want to preach on the equality 
of missions. Equality of mission. Then that night, uh, feeding the multitudes. Feeding the multitudes. And then tomorrow night, if any children discover where I'm taking this text, I promise you I will give you a candy bar, okay? I can't, the children. I have some adults going like this. Missions only works when we see, sense, and say. Missions only works when we see, sense, and say. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. If you would, Proverbs chapter 11, and then I want you to uh, go to John chapter 9, and we'll read verses 4. Man, I tell you, I'm, I'm full. Whew. That's great. Boy, I tell you, Brother Lord, thank you for those songs. That, 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 that helped me. That helped me. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. You all heard his verse many times. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. And he that does not win souls, what is he? fool I want to be wise he that win his souls look at uh, John chapter 9 and verse 4 I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man can work. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to preach your word. Lord, thank you for us feeling your presence tonight. Lord, thank you for missionaries that are willing to give their lives to go wherever you want them to go uh, lord every every night i have a job to do i have the opportunity to preach but lord every night i want to go together with these missionaries Lord, would you please use them in a great and mighty way. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Fill us with thy spirit. Use us in a special way tonight. In your name we ask you. Amen. You may be seated. Some people, a lot of times, wonder why we emphasize sharing the gospel. While we talk so much about missions and giving to missions, 
I read a statistics the other a statistic the other day, and it said this, and this will shock you. What young adults believe about the existence of God? Do you know that two-thirds, that means 61% of Americans ages 8 through 35 doubt the existence of God? 61%. It's time to reach the world. An evangelist once preached at a church and asked, uh, how many go out soul winning? Uh, if you go on a regular base soul winning, the evangelist said, would you please stand? And all of a sudden, about half of the crowd stood up and uh, he looked at the crowd and he said, congratulations. He said, this looks wonderful. Half of the crowd uh, goes out soul winning. But may I say this? How many of you would like to be in an army that only half go to war. And then he said, how many of you that pull for Clemson Tigers, you know, uh, uh, how many of you, if uh, 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 the coach came on TV and said, uh, you know, the, the, the next game, we only have half of the players and we're going to play half against the full team of another team. Uh, you'd look and say, we're going to lose. Is that right? Uh, how many of you would like to go to work tomorrow and all of a sudden you open the door and your, and your boss says, okay, uh, you're not going to work eight hours today. You're going to work uh, 15 hours because half of the employers did not show up today. You would say, that is not fair. But how many Christians, half of the people go out and share the gospel? Half of the people, and that's when it's half, I go out and share the gospel. A man said this, any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical existence uh, to exist. Another man said this, put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fiery furnace of hell and out of sin. Another man said this, the gospel is only good news if he gets there gets there. Oh, folks, let me tell you something. We need to do what's right. We need to put the main thing uh, to be the main thing, and we need to go out and reach the world. Uh, not only the world, but we need to reach Lexington, Columbia. It's time for us to raise up and start reaching the world. Right. 
I have a little grandson. I know I don't look old enough to be a papa, but I am, and I am proud of it. Boy, I tell you, I love it when my grandboy comes in my house and I'm sitting in my recliner. Oh, preacher, let me tell you something. Oh, man, he looks over there and he starts running and all he's screaming is, Papa, Papa, Papa. And boy, he comes and gives me a bear hug. Boy, I tell you, it's great. See, my grandson's at the age that everything is why? Some of your parents are laughing. You know what that is. Son, go put your toys up. Why? Huh? You heard that before? Son, go brush your teeth. Why? Uh, son, uh, go to bed. Why? It's just why, why, why? All the time it's why. And you know there's a lot of Christians that today live, uh, they're saying the same thing. You say, go out and preach the gospel. Why? Why? Well, I'm glad you asked why, because I've got 10 points in why we should reach the world. And it's going to be a fast one, okay? First of all, I want you to see it's because God commanded it. Mark 16, 15 says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Getting the gospel out, oh, it's not an option for a Christian. It is not a spiritual gift. It is not a church growth program. It is clear, unequivocal, unavoidable command of God. God said, go, and we need to hear the go and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's command of God. Secondly, I told you I was going to be fast. Because there is a hell. Psalms 917 says this, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Revelations 21.8 says, still says, Those without Christ will have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. I am here to tell you today, it is time for us to reach the world, because there is a real hell. And let me tell you something, people in Lexington are dying and going to hell. People in Romania are dying and going to hell. People in, in the East is dying and going to hell. People in America are dying and going to hell. People in Brazil are dying and going to hell. And if we don't get out there and tell them, it's time to reach the world. Why? Because God commands it. Because there is a hell. Thirdly, because we know how to escape hell. 
Imagine if I had the cure for cancer. I might have gave this illustration here one time. But imagine if I was a scientist and I came up with a formula that cured cancer. I tell you, we've got so many people at Tabernacle Baptist Church that have cancer, preacher. It's just, it's amazing. It's everywhere. And I came up with a solution, preacher. And I did all the tests that needed to be done. And I came up with a little pill. And that little pill, if you take that pill, it will take care of the cancer. And you know, if I was a scientist and I looked at that little pill and I said to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save this pill for a family member. I'm not going to share it with anybody. It's for my family. It's for my family. You would look at me and you would say, Brother Terrell, you are selfish. May I apply that? How many of us know how people can get to heaven? How many of us know somehow someone can escape hell? And you know what we're worried about? I'm just going to keep it for my family. I'm just going to keep it for my son. I'm just going to keep it for my grandchildren. I'm not going to share it. Oh, folks, let me tell you something. Uh, it is selfish of us Christians not be willing to share the gospel and do what God has commanded us to do and tell them about the real hell and how they can escape that hell. Fourthly, because we know there is a heaven. I'll tell you one thing. Brother Caldwell... I'd be devastated tonight if I didn't know there was a heaven. I would be devastated because I got family members over there. Hey, I've got people that are in heaven today, and uh, in the last three years, I lost my sister-in-law with dementia, and then six months later, my brother, uh, brother died with Lou Gehrig's disease, and then a year later, my dad passed away. Let me tell you something, I would be devastated tonight if I didn't know there was a heaven, but praise God, I do know, I know where they're at. This world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. Hey, let me tell you something. Oh, it would devastate me. That's why we need to share the gospel to the world. It's not fair to keep heaven just for ourselves. John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. Sometimes, preacher, I just sit in my office and we, we, we can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. I, I try to. I got a good imagination. I try my best. And I know the Bible says I go to prepare a mansion. But sometimes I think, I don't know how long I'm going to be in that mansion. Because I, when I get to heaven, I'm not worried where I'm going to stay at. First, I want to see my Jesus. And then all of a sudden, way in the back, in the streets of gold, I look and I think, my dad was bed shrieking for two years. And I look at that. Well, look at that. Dads are running. You remember Miss Caldwell? She'd come in church last year and she could hardly walk. And I mean, she'd come to that little walker. I mean, at Tabernacle. I mean, we got a parking lot of, of uh, walkers in our church. You go in on each side, there's at least five on each side. And people come in. Can you imagine Dr. Caldwell? I miss Caldwell in heaven. I mean, she's probably running the streets of gold. And I start to remember that. And I start to think of the things. And it just makes heaven sounding sweeter all the time. But you know what? It's unfair that we don't share that with other people. God commanded it. There is a hell. Because we know how to escape hell. Because we know there is a heaven. And you know what? When the gospel is shared, it glorifies God. The Bible says in John 15, 8, Herein, is my Father glorified that ye bear some fruit. That what the Bible says? The Bible says that you bear much fruit. Much fruit. Well, preacher, I hope I'm a tree that just has fruit hanging all over it. Man, I don't want to be that little skimpy tree that has an orange over here and an orange over here and an orange back here. Hey, listen, I'll tell you something. I want to be hanging down low that I can't hold my branches up. I want to be fruitful. You know why? Not for my glory, but it glorifies God. It glorifies Him when we go the world with the gospel. Six. Told you it's fast. Because it encourages believers. 
I tell you, if you can sit in church like a nail on a log when somebody comes down to the altar and gets saved and you say, wish the preacher just finished his service. I'm not right. I'm not right. I mean, when when somebody comes down to the altar, whew, and there ought to be shout. I mean, hey, Pastor Logan, my 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 pastor. I tell you, well, last year during COVID. God gave us a revival. We had over 30 people during COVID that came to know Christ as a personal Savior. You know, pastor didn't get up and he say, I got some news to tell you. Somebody else got saved today. Not my pastor. He'd say, praise God, you won't believe it. And he'd start crying. He tries to hold his cry. And he'd start crying. And he said, one more soul. And if you know anything about Tabernacle, that crowd explodes. And people start shouting. You know why? Because that's the way it is in heaven. Oh, when one soul in heaven is saved, the angels are shouting and glorifying God for one more soul that has been saved. Isn't that what the Bible says? I told you I got good imagination. Somebody says, one more soul saved. And all of a sudden on one corner of heaven, hallelujah! Hallelujah! You say, Brother Tell, you, you can't be right. Well, you don't know either. Let me imagine it. I imagine it's probably like that. Oh, there's a party in heaven when one soul gets saved. Let me tell you something. When we have a missionary to Romania, when we have a missionary to the east, sends a letter and he says, four souls got saved. This church should burst into shouting and praising God for one more soul that got saved. It's time to reach the world because it encourages the believer. Seven, because it demonstrates the power of God. Oh, you remember Luke 8, the Gadarene man? Boy, he was cutting himself. He was, he was homeless. His family didn't want him close. Oh, brother, he was out in the sticks. He was in, in, the, uh, in the hidden, cutting himself, trying to kill himself. But in chapter 8 and verse 6, it says this, But when uh, he saw Jesus, Oh, I love to preach that text, preacher. I don't like 
to preach what he was. I like it after. Oh, when he did see Jesus, when he did meet Jesus, oh, he went back a different man. What is that, preacher? That's the power of God was saving a man that was worthless, heading to hell. But when he saw Jesus, things became different. There's a young man in our Bible college. His name is Daniel Farrell. Exact name in the Bible, Farrell. He was a drunk, lived in New York. I mean, he was worthless. And God saved him. God called him to preach. He said, i got to go to a good Bible college. It's not advertisement, but it is. He went to Tabernacle Bible College. Amen. About the second year, he made a little prayer card with his wife on the front and him. And on the back, there's a picture of a building. And he gave me one. He said, Brother Terrell, he said, you see that building right there? He said, that's a bar. He said, that's where I used to go to drink beer, get drunk, almost ruined my life. And he said, preacher, God called me to preach. So I'm praying now. God will help me buy that building. I'm going to make it a church. I told him, I said, when you have your first service, I'm going to be there. You know what that is? That's not Daniel Farrell. That's what came into Daniel Farrell and changed his life. You know what that is? It's the power of God. I hope you don't get mad at me. Please don't. If you do, forgive me. I'm already asking ahead. But you know why America is in the situation it is in today? Because of you and me. Are you listening to me? We love to sit in church. Preacher says, let's go out and give out tracts. I can't. I can't. And because we've gotten comfortable, we haven't seen the power of God. Are you listening to me? I say to you tonight, it's time to reach the world. I'm almost done. Anybody mad at me, raise your hand. Good, good, good. Number eight.
because it's a principle. The Bible said, he that winneth souls is wise. You know why we got so many churches that are changing their Bibles, changing their dress, they're changing their speech. You know why? Because they're not wise. Right, right. You know why? Because they have not done what the main thing is winning souls for Jesus Christ. Number 10. Now I'm going to go through these real fast. Because we must face Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 11. But lastly, number 10. Open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 3. Preacher, we need to... Why do we need to reach the world? I'll tell you why. Lastly, because our hands we will be stained with the blood of those we did not tell. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 18 says, When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him no warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Can I ask you a question? How many have been walking downtown or in the mall or whatever? And God said, I want you to tell that person about the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I'm going to go down this aisle. Huh? Don't look spiritual at me. You know you've done that. You know, if that person dies, boy, that's sad, preacher. His blood is going to be on your hands. What? What is this? I didn't tell that person about Christ. When I pastored in Brazil, our church there, I lived on one street that was a one-way street going up. And I lived on top of the hill. And my sister lived the bottom of the hill in an apartment there in Brazil. One Saturday, she called me. She said, Terrell, I think I'll go up and just spend a day with you. And, and me and my sister just like that. 
We love to spend time together. I said, come on. We'll eat. Don't you like to do that? I like to do it too. She came up and we spent the time. My wife went to the bakery and she bought all kinds of bread, all kinds of sweet bread and all kinds of, uh, of, of bologna and all kinds of cheeses. And man, we just ate and ate and ate and ate and had a good time eating. I tell people, you can tell God's been good to me. Right? I mean, I, you can tell I don't like a meal. Some of you need to start eating more. You look pitiful. I'm, t I'm honest. You look pitiful. You see, when I go in a store and I say, Do you have clothes for men? And they say, Sure do. I said, you didn't understand my question. Do you have clothes for real men? And they look at me and they say, no, sir, we don't. See, proved my point, didn't I? Well, we ate and when she looked at her, uh, at her watch, it was 11 o'clock at night. I had to preach Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And my sister said, oh, I got to go home. She said, Tara, I'm going to go on. I'm going to walk down the street to my house. I said, oh, no, you're not. In Brazil, 11 o'clock at night, you don't want to be walking on the street. I can tell you that right now. I know how it is. So I said, jump in the car. I'll take you home. I went up a street, came down, came down the street, came up to her apartment, let her out, waited till she got in. And as I was driving back home on the same street, there was a little park there with little park benches. And about midnight, there was probably a nine, ten-year-old child sleeping on that bench. And you know, preacher, I went by and I said, that's so pitiful. And I kept on driving, opened my garage door, Pulled in my garage and went to study. Do you know how many times God has bothered me? Do you know how many times God has says, has told me, if that little child, which today is probably an adult, dies? and goes to hell. His blood is going to be on your hands, Terrell Rose. You know what I started doing, preacher? I started praying. Lord, would you please save that young boy? 
I don't know where he's at. But would you send somebody else that will look at him and have compassion and tell him about the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I sure don't want his blood on my hands. That's why we need to reach the world. That's why we have this missionary. 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 Oh, preacher, I give to missions. But let me tell you something. Please, please, don't let the blood of anybody be on your hands. That just kills me to think, preacher. That little boy might go to hell. And I didn't care one bit. I said, that's pitiful. It bothers me. And it ought to bother you. It ought to bother you that you go day after day after day without telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I tell you, preacher... I'm glad I'm not going to hell. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. But am I trying to help others to not go to that place? Let's bow our heads in prayer. I asked Brother Pierce if he could play, sing a song. Is that all right with you, preacher? How many here can say, Brother Terrell, boy, that message spoke to my heart. I need to tell the world about the gospel. I'm not going to hell, but oh, I know people that are. Would you pray for me? How many raise your hand and say, Brother Terrell, yes. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. If God spoke to your heart, God spoke to your heart, would you come down to this altar and say, God, I'm not going to hell, but oh, would you give me compassion for lost souls so they won't go to hell either. As brother here sings. Now in sin I was living no thought was I giving of dying where I would go. I was looking and buying so hard I was trying to gain all this world had to hold. But no peace and no pleasure could I even measure in all. I tried to gain, I repented and prayed, God saved me that day, and now I've got something to say, I'm not going to hell, I met the Savior, what a story I tell. 
I'm saved and forgiven, set free all is well. I'm not going to hell. No, I'm not going to hell. Now my life's worth living since I've been forgiven, Christ made a real change in me I'm no longer crying when I think about dying cause heaven is waiting for me oh but Satan's still lying and he's always trying to lead you down the wrong way just call on Christ's name He'll save you today. Then look back at Satan and say, I'm not going to hell. I met the Savior. What a story I tell. I'm saved and forgiven. Set free all his will. And no pleasure could I even measure in all that I tried to gain. I repented and prayed, God save me that day. Now I've got something to say. I'm not going to hell. I met the Savior. Tell, saved and forgiven, set free all is well. I'm not going to hell. No, I'm not going to hell. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Jesus, 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 Jesus.